You admit that you went seeking the box, as you'd heard there was great pleasure that came from it. But you never thought it would be like this. There was a reason that they called it the Lament Configuration. And there was no emotion that your hellbound heart didn't feel as you were transformed. He showed you such great suffering. And you loved it. His visage twisted in gridlock, sharp pins in his face. You fear that is what will happen to you as your flesh is flayed, and your very soul is torn apart, all thanks to your sins. Jesus wept. I want to hear you scream. It is time to keep your appointment with the wicker man. Look at me, Damien. It's all for you. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. We'll tear your soul apart. Podcast of the Dead. Hello, everyone, and happy Pride. Uh, this is Podcast of the Dead. Uh, the podcast about all things horror-related. I'm Zach Palmer. Sitting next to me is Isaac Wright. Hello. And joining us from the gayest void possible <laughs> is Chrissy Beadle. <laughs> the gayest and most broken void possible. <laughs> yeah, Chrissy is uh, on disability, essentially, at present. <laughs> well, yeah, I, Chrissy's wish, I wish I was getting paid. <laughs> <laughs> Chrissy's in a boot. Uh because they she parked, uh, or, or they parked the wrong way <laughs> on the street. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Car joke. <laughs> A city litigation joke. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, we were gone for two weeks again because things happen. I uh, went home to see my parents in Dickinson. Dick in Sun. Hot Dickinson. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Not again. <laughs> Not again? Oh. Um, I'm upset. <laughs> uh, so, uh, just to, as a little precursor to before we get into the news or whatever the fuck it is that we're doing, uh, we're this whole month, we're going to try and do... Uh, all just gay-themed things. <laughs> LBGTQ-themed yeah. things. I don't know. Just I mean, it's gay. mostly Exclusive. pretty gay. It's, gay. <laughs> it's the Barker Bonanza. It's mostly just True, gay. Yeah. Yes. This is the Barker Bonanza. We're covering uh, Clive Barker all month, and then at the end of the month, we're doing something a little bit different, but it is still going to be very gay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, uh, strap in. And, <laughs> or and, strap on. Or yeah. strap on. <laughs> or strap off. I don't know. I'm, ah, try- yeah. I don't know. I'm trying to come up with more things. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, we appreciate all of you. Uh, happy Pride. Sure. Uh, the good thing is we all made it here. Everybody listening has made it here without yeah. being killed by the police. So, <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> That's an interesting. This is just a kind of a one-off thing that I heard on Reddit. Uh, I know this is kind of going off the rails, but uh, Siri now has a thing that uh, you can say, "Hey Siri, I'm getting pulled over," and it will automatically switch on the front-facing camera and will start recording video and audio for the entire uh, interaction. Nice. Oh, really? Yeah. Whoa! Yeah, I heard that was like on a new update. 
I don't know if I've updated this far. Yeah, I'm I, gonna, think, I think you might have to. I'm gonna like, try. Update. I'm gonna try it. <laughs> Go on. Hey, hey Siri. I'm getting pulled over. Yeah, you sh- bastard. Uh, may, I might just be on a new update, or it might be something they haven't rolled out yet, but they're about to. I read it on okay. like a uh, tech feed on Reddit. Or something like that, <clears throat> okay, so. that's interesting. Sick. Yeah. This whole month, we'll try and keep t- up to date with yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that is actually an important um, Yeah, feature. a useful thing. Yes. Mm. Uh, anyway, let's talk about some news. Oh, sorry, I mean... Horror, horror news! news. <laughs> <laughs> we, we forgot all of our conventions yeah. this week. Zach's been too busy thinking about some certain monsters. Oh. We'll get, we'll to get that. into that. We'll, yeah. we'll, get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that later. We've been too busy. You, you wanted to talk about a fetus. Oh, the funky fetus. <laughs> the funkiest fetus. Oh. Okay, so... Out of nowhere. Death Stranding got a release date. Everyone thought it'd be like maybe another year or two. Nope, it's releasing November 8th, 2019. And... That trailer, we still don't know what the fuck's going on. All I know is that the Funky Fetus has a name and that Guillermo del Toro got a... Oh, Mads Mikkelsen's character is called Cliff. Eh. And Eh. del Toro's character is called, like, Dead Man or something. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You mean it's not called... He's not called Fish Daddy? (laughs) Fish Daddy. That would sum up, like half of his body of work at that's this what point. I'm saying <laughs> yeah that's what I'm saying <laughs> but, uh, but yeah um, it mm, well you didn't say what the I'm fetus is, it. you didn't say what the fetus's name was though oh it's just called BB <laughs> which is kind of upsetting I don't know and that could be an abbreviation for a lot of things I saw this a great it's, tweet it's called the bridge baby oh bridge baby. okay gotcha and I, they use them to detect monsters as you do. I mean, I use most fetuses <laughs> as a dowsing rod for monsters. <laughs> you are using babies the correct way. <laughs> yeah, I'm buying it. My, my mate has already pre-ordered the collector's edition for 175 quid. Uh, side note, I saw a great tweet, which is kind of a commentary on the industry, that said uh, Kojima uh, shipped out Metal Gear Solid 5 and developed a new game and is going to be putting it out in the same time frame that it took Square to release two trailers for the remake of Final Fantasy 7. Yeah, <laughs> yep. right. And I haven't even seen either of the trailers yet and I'm still I'm just so pissed off about what it's going to be. It's going to suck because they're releasing yes. it in parts. They don't I don't think Square understands anything about that game anymore because they've done so many things since then. I think they've oh, totally lost touch oh, with what yeah, Final Fantasy yeah. 7 used to Square be. Square is out of touch with everybody. Yeah. It, like, Square is on a different planet. <laughs> it, just I'm not like Konami in reality. True, yeah. Konami oh, yeah. doesn't know what's oh, yeah. going on Konami anymore just either. Like, you, oh, y'all want a Castlevania remaster? How about Pachinko? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The only play, the only company I really have faith in right now is Capcom because it gave me Mega Man 11. I'm done. but also um, we have learned that there is going to be a new it themed board game coming out it is called it from below 
Evil Below. Dark Below? Oh, Evil, Evil Below. Below. Okay, cool. You I were was, supposed to read the article. I was close. <laughs> <laughs> I had it pulled up this whole time, and you could have been reading it. <laughs> but it looks fun. I'm always down for some board games. It, it looks like it has a ton of pieces. Um, <laughs> it, yeah. it has many much pieces. <laughs> More than it I can keep. I will step on them in the middle of the night. It'll be bad. Yes. <laughs> it comes out before I visit. Maybe I'll buy it and I'll, we'll yeah. bring it and we'll Please. Play it. I mean, we'll play Please. it regardless. Like, yeah, we'll. Get, we, I, I feel like we're gonna get it pretty soon, like, oh, yeah. as soon as it comes out. Because oh, yeah. we always are on on the lookout for good board games. We don't have enough really here. Not really. Our friend, no. our friends do. We don't have enough. <laughs> Yeah, we have like Comes Red Dragon in full, so there's plenty of time for y'all to get it before I visit. Awesome. Hint, hint, wink, wink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, By the way, it's two hundred dollars. God damn it. So no, I'm kidding. Like thirty or thirty dollars, which is pretty good for a board game. For sure, I was kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, since we've been gone, uh, I watched two of the movies that we've been talking about. Uh, on this show, uh, yes, I keep up with the current events. I, uh, saw, I saw Aladdin. Shut up. <laughs> I'm seeing the monsters. I've heard only mixed things about Aladdin. True. Uh, that is, how, that is I, the only way that you this, can hear about it. All the songs that were like redone apparently were not redone well. Uh, uh, the, you don't have a friend like me was done good. Like everyone was flipping shit about Will Smith. He was the best part of the movie. Yeah, this I'll is not up. what this <laughs> this podcast is about. We're not fucking talking about Aladdin. Go fuck yourself. Okay. So the first one I want to talk about that we had talked about last. Episode on our news section is Brightburn. I saw Brightburn. Uh, <clears throat> okay, here's the thing about Brightburn. Uh, it clearly knew what it was, <laughs> uh, which is basically a kind of sort of almost gimmicky uh, horror superhero movie, which is what we ex- expected it to be. It is basically like just evil Superman, but it's uh, some of, I mean, the acting in it's not particularly great. It's it kind of like B-movie. It is very B-movie-esque. It's very cult movie-like. I think I think Ooh. in the future it will end up being like a cult film because it, it, it doesn't take itself too seriously, especially the end. The end is very just like, just like, oh, okay, I get eh, it. it. I happened. get it now. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's more of like you... I'm not I gonna. See it. I, I, right. Yeah, you'd have to see it because I don't want to spoil the end sure. of it. But the gotcha. the ending, you realize it knows what it is. Okay. Let, let me put it that way. I think in the future it is going to end up being a cult film. Okay. I think it's going to mm. be a cult classic. Uh, but it's not. You know, it's very much like <laughs> it's very it's self aware. Okay. Let me put it that way. Uh, there's a lot of gore. Uh, nice. And there's a lot of like kind of unique things in it that I liked. Uh, there's also a fuck ton of jump scares, which I'm not a huge fan of. Yeah, that's always mm. pissing me off. I, jump scares are a, a cop-out. Mo- uh, movies yeah. are getting past that. Like, I feel like a lot of movies are learning from that mistake, and they're not doing it as much, but then you always the, know the movie that is kind of, like, phoning it in when they put in a lot of jump This had so many... Movie. What does Blumhouse do? Jump scares. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, but this had so many jump scares in it. Oh, it was sucks. just Ugh. so many. How That's many, the only thing I really didn't like about how it. How many of them were fake out jump scares where it was a jump scare, but just of a, like a person walking up behind you normally and you just get scared at it like you wouldn't realize? Most of them. God damn it. Oh, yeah. that's... Most. Ah. I want to punch anyone that... Like, I want to punch <laughs> people that do that to me in general. Like, yeah, when, exactly. When I see it in a movie, I want to punch... Just the 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 uh, director for for putting that in. <laughs> uh, 
Okay, so that's Brightburn. I think uh, if you're into like B movies and the cult classic type films, you should see it. Uh, if you're not, and, and it's kind of it turns the superhero movie on its head a little bit. Uh, but I, I would say if you like any of that sort of things that I've just described, see it. What, what I would ask is, do you like it more than Chronicle? How what did it like? Because I, I remember I liked Chronicle a lot, and it was a very similar type idea, just done differently. Mm-hmm. I liked it the same as Chronicle. Okay. It's different than Chronicle by a lot, but uh, I liked it in the same capacity. Okay, so still, I would ju- say. it's kind of middle of the road, mediocre, interesting concept. For yes. a moment, okay. my brain made me hear Bionicle, and I got confused. <laughs> <laughs> How do, okay, let's compare compare Brightburn no. to Bionicle, please. <laughs> uh, there, no masks, or uh, no mask of power exists. There is a mask, and he's wearing a mask a lot of the time. But it's not a mask of power. They don't have to. I, I'm not going to get into it. There's too much Bionicle lore to cover in such a short amount of time. Uh, <laughs> so deep oh my God. uh the other film that i watched and god i'm gonna try not to talk too much uh is uh godzilla king of the monsters yeah, you said that one wasn't very good right shut up <laughs> <laughs> it was so good it was so good i yeah we y'all know <laughs> listening to our gojira episode that i am a huge godzilla fan mm. uh this film uh did uh the japanese films justice i feel like uh, there's a lot of things that it that it did right, uh, that it fixed from 2014 Godzilla mm-hmm. that I had issues with. Uh, the people, yeah. uh, <laughs> largely, is uh, 2014 Godzilla was kind of boring. Uh, the, was it people focused? Was it kind it of like one of those Godzilla, Godzilla movies for a film being about Godzilla? Yeah, well, I'm not going to say that King of the Monsters is not people-focused. Uh, a lot of the American ones just have a tendency to do that. Well, so do a lot of the Japanese ones. Like, I remember like that one with Jet Jaguar. It, it has. Huh? It, it depends. True, but I mean, yeah. I just I've, some of the ones that I've seen, even Shin Godzilla. Because you know, you've never have, seen Godzilla Final Wars, so you, you you don't you're not versed enough. You are ignorant. I think. Yes. Oh, Bionicle versus Godzilla. Yes. Here, here's the thing. <laughs> all of the monsters in it are really badass. Uh, all of the scenes which the monsters are like emerging. Uh, in in like it being like awakened uh, are really good. Uh, all the fights are really good. There's some really unique concepts. Godzilla has a layer. That's all I'm gonna say, uh, which is interesting because you didn't like he's never really had a layer, so to speak. Yeah, he's always he been just like lived on the bottom of the ocean. No, whatever. he's always like lived on Monster Island in oh, a lot yeah. of like in a lot of versions. Mm. But uh, it's either Monster Island or he just comes up from some fucking crag in the ocean. The Mariana uh, Trench, perhaps. Even Perhaps. though that's on the other side of the world from Japan. Perhaps, yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's um, it's really interesting. It it, it plays with uh, kind of introducing some new things uh, because there's there's other kaiju in it other than the ones that you see in the trailers there's and stuff. More than just mommy. <laughs> mommy Mothra. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, oh. do they do they introduce new kaiju? Yes. Oh shit! That's really fucking cool. Yes. I didn't know that. I yeah. thought they would just use like the classic ones. Because, as y'all probably know, they're making a monster verse, yeah. just like they had made right, a, right, right, you know right. an MCU, uh, and uh, so they're introducing some of these new monsters that are like exclusive to like the monster verse, nice. and uh, they actually look pretty interesting. Okay. Uh, there's like a, I'm not going to spoil it too much, but there's like a big mountain one, and there's like a woolly mammoth type looking guy. Sick. It's good. Yeah. So there's there's some cool. 
animals that they they got. <laughs> so cool. Look, so the, the reason I want to see it is to get see my mommy. Get see my yeah. mommy Mothra. Oh, and Mothra is amazing in this. Well, Mothra's uh, always done really well. Ma- Mothra, Mothra is is she beautiful. is she being the best girl? Yes. Oh, yes, she is. How's Rodan? Rodan is uh, he's badass. Awesome. Uh, he there's I, some I, good scenes. I really like Rodan. He sucks there to play is, as in any fighting game, but that's true. <laughs> uh, unless you play Save the Earth, he's in pretty good. He's pretty good in Save the Earth. But Rodan, you don't see enough of Rodan. That's oh, what, I will that. say that he's not as popular. To be fair, he's not one of the more popular ones. I would say okay. So the first time you see Ghidorah, and that's all I'm going to say about about it. First time you see Ghidorah, that's the best scene in the whole fucking movie that's in my what, opinion that's what not, you not posting on facebook yeah not even them fighting like you wouldn't put it above them fighting they do fight when he you first see when him? he first oh okay up, that's yes. cool <laughs> <laughs> i'm yeah. just excited there's they I lack content they, they clash a few times okay. they don't there's not just one fight there's like a lot of fights oh shit yeah that's fucking there's cool. not just one battle there's like it's almost all battles. <laughs> Oops, all battles. It keeps, <laughs> Oops. It keeps me, it keeps taking me off because all the critics that were like, "Oh, we love Godzilla 2014 because of all the people element," are like, oh "There's too many fights. We don't like to see the monsters fighting." It's like, no, that's what we came that's here to see. That's the whole fucking say. point. Yeah, that's the whole fucking point, idiots. There, the people stuff in this is marginally better. I would say the characters, the people characters are a lot more interesting. Okay. Eleven's in it, right? From the, the actress from Stranger Things? Millie Bobby Brown. Yes. I, I never remember yes. her name. Yeah, that is her, <laughs> that's her name. And uh, Vera Farmiga is in it. Oh, yeah. From The Conjuring and The Departed. I, like... The, I think my favorite character from, my tra- from the trailer is the guy who's just like, yeah, we're Godzilla's toys. True. The, Wait, the, the, the oh. Japanese scientist guy. Oh, Ken Watanabe. Yeah, that's the one. Ken Ken Watanabe. Yeah, yeah. He's he's really good in in this movie. He's the best human character, yeah. in my opinion. Uh, because I yeah, he's just really really good. Uh, but yeah, there is like a uh, there's like kind of subplots with the humans going on. There's like multiple subplots going on. Uh, but there's like one thread that's that has to do with like this family. Uh, and that's it's okay. Uh, but it's not. You know, it doesn't get in the way of like the rest of the movie, in my opinion. Mm. I feel like some people thought it did, but uh, I uh, highly recommend it. Uh, I, I should everybody should see it that is even vaguely interested in it. Uh, I want it to do well. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting my money tomorrow, and it's getting my mate's money yeah. as well. I don't even think my yeah, mate I, was too particularly interested. I was like, Nathan, to come to see Godzilla. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, there's a, a most of the time when I talk about Godzilla films or Godzilla films that are going to come out or whatever, most of my friends or coworkers are just like, "You like Godzilla?" <laughs> like you fucking- Which is weird. Who do, I mean, who doesn't like the concept of Godzilla and just like a big lizard destroying everything? It's not. It's not for everybody. It's like a. It's a lot of people see it as a B movie, which it kind of is. Yeah, and I mean, I guess I was raised on Power Rangers, and so it's I very mean, similar concept. I didn't concept. like Kaiju for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I can and understand. Was, yeah. I didn't like Kaiju for a long time. That's literally just because I had negative associations with it. But now I'm just like, yeah, give me the monsters. Yeah. <laughs> the big monster boys and mommy. But but this one, I talked to more people about it before it came out that wants, that want to see it. So I hope 
that it like keeps the monster monsterverse going because I want to see some really interesting movies. Mm. They are all CG though, right? I'm just curious because yes. I didn't I didn't see the 2014 one. Well, it's CG, but there's motion captured people doing movements to so it's basically like a CGI suit. Let's okay, put it that that's way. really that's so, a, that's so cool. So they done then. a Kojima. Yes, exactly. Okay, they, they that's did, awesome. It basically it's motion captured people doing like the the, the movements. body movements. Okay, yes. mm. that's uh, that's actually really cool because yeah. that's a good way to. Ev- Evolutionize a guy in a suit. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty good. So. So how did they get a three-headed guy to do Ghidorah, or did they just have a guy holding like three different like little poles and just like swiggling them around? Remember that Ghidorah was a suit at one point. Uh, how did how did that work? He Ghidorah doesn't have arms. He just has yeah. three. Oh, heads. that's right. Oh, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The guy would have to be like this all yeah, the time. Yeah. No, actually, if I if I remember correctly, wow, wacky, arm flailing, inflatable tube man. Yeah, if I remember correctly, yeah, yeah, it was it was like that, but the heads were also like controlled separately too. But it's it's mm. like the guy was like the bottom part more uh-huh. or less, if I remember correctly. But, oh God, okay. Uh, yeah, he was just zoidbugging the entire time. <laughs> yeah, Ghidorah was a complicated costume. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, I learned something today at least. Yeah, but uh, if I were to give it a rating, I guess I don't know. Uh, uh, nine out of ten. Let me let me mm. say that nine out of ten. You set my expectations high here, Zach. <laughs> also, we haven't done numbered ratings before, so no one has like a benchmark by what to judge our ratings by. So numbers mean nothing. You have to start somewhere. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's, a, it's it's a mother is my mommy out of ten. There you go. Okay, I'll I'll review Freaky Friday next month and then or next week and then we can um we can use that rating system as you know the next one to like use as a litmus test. I don't know why freaky. Why fight. freaky? I fight. don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, let's get gay. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Zach here. Uh, just a reminder to follow us on social media. We're on Instagram and Twitter at PC of the Dead. We also have a Facebook page just called Podcast of the Dead. And if you want to email us about maybe you have suggestions for movies or you just want to say hey, uh, you can email podcastofthedead at gmail.com. And now I just want to take a second to talk about our Patreon, which helps fund the podcast and helps us make better content with the more contributors that we get. Uh, Right now, we only have three tiers because we don't have too many contributors at the moment. Uh, The first tier is First Blood, which is just a dollar a month. And that is just our eternal gratitude. Essentially, you're just helping fund something that you enjoy and you're a friend of the show at that point. Uh, We also have two ridiculous tiers. Uh, The first one is called the Mothman Foundation for Scaring People Shitless. That's $50 a month, and that continues to fund Mothman's rampage in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Also, I'll call you as Indrid Cold on the phone. Or maybe it'll actually be Indrid Cold. Depends on where you live, I guess. Uh, The last tier is Freddy's Wet Dream, uh, which is the tier where you get to choose what kind of porn I watch, and I am dead serious about that. That tier is $69 a month, as you would probably expect. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash PC of the dead. Back to Hellraiser. Okay, so this week we're talking about uh, the first week of what is going to become basically the Barker Bonanza 
We're talking about <laughs> Clive Barker's work, specifically the movies, because uh, he is a writer and an artist. He's a lot of things. Uh, Did he do all the art for his stuff, too? For his books, yes. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I, yeah, I think y'all told me that, and I totally forgot. Yes, uh, and we'll get into Clive Barker in a second here, but this is going to be the first week of uh, the Barker Bonanza, because uh, Clive Barker is gay, uh, and we thought it would make sense to talk about all of his works in Pride Month, so... Uh, We'll we'll try we'll try and cover him in as much depth as we can in this month. And uh, the first one that we're talking about, of course, is uh, probably his most famous one, uh, which is mm. Hellraiser. Yeah, I just remember walking around the uh, you know the horror section of the of the VHS store when I was a child, and always seeing a cover with Pinhead on it and being freaked the fuck out. Like, what the fuck is that? He's <laughs> <laughs> a creepy dude. He is a good design. Him, yeah, no, he is a good design for a horror character. Yeah, the design of the Cenobites in general, and a lot of the stuff that they put in the Hellraiser movies is is very mm, yeah. interesting. Uh, mm. I feel like it's uh, very otherworldly and surreal. Very much so. Yes. Uh, so the first thing that we're going to talk about because he is so important. Well, the first thing we are going to say is uh, content warning. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a, there is a content warning for this episode because there is a I, I would say uh, there's some hints at uh, incest uh, in the movie. Uh, there is a lot of you know uh, obviously if you're not into bondage and there is a lot of violence. Uh, yeah, re- this, this to is that. a very gory movie. Like of all the movies we've covered, I feel like this one is like the grossest. <laughs> That's what I will say. I wouldn't say that. I mean, we t- we we did Toxic Avenger. So yeah, we did, we did Toxic, dude. But, but that's tongue in cheek. This is like in earnest. This is a more serious violence. Yeah. Let's, yeah. let's put it that way. Yes, it is more more serious than Toxic Avenger, but Toxic Avenger is definitely the more graphic one. Okay. Uh, right. But it it is so gratuitous and over the top <laughs> yes. that it comes back around to being funny. Uh, but still, it. This is a more earnest type of gore yeah, and in, in pain very, in here. Very visceral, very very goopy. I don't like all the goop. So yeah. so much so that there were many scenes that had to be cut because otherwise they were they were giving it an X rating and wouldn't even allow it to be shown. Right. Yes, and we'll get into that near the end of the episode uh, about things that were cut for reasons. Various reasons. For various reasons. <laughs> and we'll get into that. But Clive Barker, let's talk about the man. The guy. He's a good lad. Clyde Barker is uh, such a um, a different type of horror icon uh, than we normally talk about. He's not like a John Carpenter. He's not like a he's he's not like a, a George Romero. He is more like a um, an entity <laughs> uh, because he's done a lot of. His work is very different than a lot of other uh, horror icons because. He covers a lot of ground. Uh, like, uh, I'll, I'll say, like, because Candyman is a very different type of film than, than other horror films that were out at the time. Uh, Nightbreed is just a different world entirely. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and Hellraiser was, I don't think a whole lot of people had seen uh, a horror movie at the time that kind of touched on the things that Hellraiser touched on because it was so... Uh, it, it had like an underground quality about it, uh, and, and not like in a B movie sense, like a cult movie sense, but more of like there was something there that you you were seeing that you were you were thinking maybe I shouldn't be seeing this. <laughs> you know what I mean? From 
from what I've seen of Barker's stuff, he's really good at like world building in weird ways, yes. like making new worlds that you haven't really seen before. Because yeah, like just watching Hellraiser, it definitely seems like something completely different. Like it's not a Halloween. It's not yes. a Ghost on Mars by John Carpenter, yeah. which is the best a, movie. Of a all lot time. of his stuff. Um, <laughs> a lot of his stuff borders on horror fantasy. True. Like yeah, that's yeah. a good that's a good way to put it. I think. Two of his best crafted worlds are the worlds he crafts in his book Weave World, which is basically a world that's built on a carpet, and the world he crafted for his ongoing series, Aberat, which is based on every, like, the, the clock. Every island in this mythical world of the Aberat is based on, like, so at one point, one island's, like, one in the morning, and then another island is six at night, and then there's the mythical 25th island, which is the last 25th hour. And they all stay at that time of day all yep, the time? Yeah, they all yeah. stay at that time Ooh. of day. Oh, that sounds like some Persona 3 shit. That's really it's cool, yeah. really fucking good shit. So, so yeah, no, bordering on fantasy is a good way to put it. He really yeah. is able to put together a world that's that's different and then... To be able to throw horror on top of that is a skill. Because yeah. either you have to do fantasy or you have to do horror is how a lot of people it's, approach mm, stuff. You know what it, I mean? Yeah. And it's not unlike Stephen King. Uh, Stephen mm. King does a lot of that sort of world building, like where he has like an overarching world for all of his works. But it's not... Uh, Clyde Barker's better at fleshing it out, I think, yeah. and, and like making it actually like... The details with Barker as well, with the fact he does all the art for his books, it gives you a more visual idea. Whereas King just goes, "Hey, you got to think of the arse weasels, shit have weasels." You been, have you been to Maine recently? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Stephen um, King has a very particular brand of the thing, the things that he does, but I don't feel like they're they're like I said, quite as detailed or at least quite as fleshed out mm-hmm. as. What Barker does. Uh, Barker is very meticulous. Mm-hmm. I agree. I would say. Barker, um, King actually described Barker as the future of horror for a long... I mean, he still does when yeah. Barker's actually writing books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've, been, what is I've he... been waiting for the fucking last Aberat book for fucking years. Does he primarily focus on movies or illustrations or something most of the time, or does he just take big hiatuses between works? Oh, no, no. What he does is he works on, like, six things at once. He's very much one of those (laughs) kind of people. So, at the moment, he's writing a new series of books or something, as well as writing these last two Aberat books, Mm -hmm. doing the art for all of those, doing the art for, like, solo, like, solo art shows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. also Crazy. apparently rewriting a script for Hellraiser for the for a remake. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I've heard various things about that. They're though. doing a remake of Hellraiser. Yeah, I've I've heard various things about, about that because it's been kind of like in development hell. Mm. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> which is ironic. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, but it's been in the labyrinth. <laughs> yeah, the, the, yeah. The thing about. The thing about Clive Barker that sets him apart from from the other horror icons is he's primarily a writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's he's primarily writes books and does art, uh, and he's only he hasn't directed a whole lot of stuff. I mean, he's he's primarily like I said, he's the story builder. Mm-hmm. He's rather written than, a lot for he's written right. a lot of horror movies. Right. Yeah. So he's primarily like a writer and a story builder rather than actually being like mm. in the movie. 
Yeah, like or like you know, like being the director, being directly involved in film adaptions or something like that. So it it it, it makes him in a different like realm than a lot of other horror icons. Yeah, like. I think so too. Um, and so let's talk about Hellraiser in in the Hellbound Heart, which is the book that Hellraiser is based off of. Yeah, and y'all have read that, so if y'all yeah. want to espouse a little bit on how the book is compared to the movie, I would appreciate it, because I haven't read the book, so the, I'm, I'm curious. Well, I'll let Chrissy take it, because they probably have a better recollection of, of the book than I do. Uh, I probably have about as good a recollection of the book <laughs> as well, My okay, recollection well, isn't great of it, because I, I read Cabal more than I read that. Right. But, and Cabal's um, the one that Nightbreed's based on. Yeah, but so, I did take the yeah. Hellbound Heart into school when I was, like, ten. And, <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wow. My, I was still doing Mad Libs at that my, age. My parents, <laughs> my, my, I was my dad reading. let me borrow it when I was, like, wow. ten, because it was really, it looked cool. So, the, so there, I want to talk about the differences real quick before we actually jump into the synopsis, because then you can kind of get an idea of... Of the actual story because they're the the they're basically the same thing except for the differences and the mm. differences are pretty small. So one of the big differences is Kirsty, who in the movie is the daughter of Larry, who's <laughs> yeah. Let let me just start with the synopsis because here, here's the thing. So there's there's a bloke named Frank. Uh, there is a bloke named Frank. There's a bloke named Frank. Frank yeah. uh, is very much uh, he wants to find the ultimate pleasure. Uh, so, Frank is a thought. <laughs> Frank is a thought. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he basically comes across, through various findings, a puzzle box, which uh, in the lore is called the Lament Configuration. Uh, and, and this puzzle box is what he's heard about it is that it opens, when you solve it, it opens you to a realm of ultimate sensual pleasure. Uh the only thing is that Frank doesn't realize that the creatures who are the masters of this realm, the Cenobites, are not beautiful ladies. Uh, they, are, no. they are deformed creatures that cannot differentiate between sensual pleasure and pain. Uh, so they think that pain is sensual pleasure. Uh, basically... Uh, the, it jumps from that, so basically that he opens the box, he gets pulled into their realm, uh, and then it jumps to, uh, in the book, uh, Rory, who is Frank's brother, and his wife, Julia, uh, have just bought a house. And it's I guess it's the house that uh, Frank had done all of this in. And it's oldy and moldy yeah, it's, it's and smells the, it's, weird. It's their grandma. It's their dead grandma. Yeah, sorry. right, oh, exactly. Okay. It's their grandmother's house. And so... So basically, you learn over the course of, of this whole thing at the beginning that Julia has had a relationship with Frank before uh, her and Rory got married. It was like a week before they got married. Yeah, I was about married. to say, it was like exactly before they got married. Right, it was yeah. about a week before they got <laughs> married. Uh, and, and you realize that Julia has fell in love with Frank and is obsessed with Frank, and they think that Frank just went missing. That's what they thought happened. So, so then Julia stumbles upon... Uh, basically the the resurrected corpse of Frank is well, well, basically bones because Rory cut his hand right. and his hand bled into the floor where there was just like a little inkling of Frank left and it mixed in and basically Frank got resurrected. Made a Frank smoothie. Do you smoothie. know what that inkling of Frank is? Come. <laughs> yep. 
It's jizz. It's friend really? cum. Yes. In the in the book, it's jizz. In the in the movie, it's I think like a piece it's, of his heart or something. Yeah, or something like that. Because it's something beating, or it's just tissue. Is kind of what it shows mm-hmm. in the movie. It's underneath the ground, and it just shows something like kind of breathing. It might be a piece of lung or something. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is, but in the book, it's jizz. Okay, it's French jizz. <laughs> it's jizz cum. So basically, like this this like skeleton ish, uh, Frank. Conf- uh, says, Julia, you need to help me. And he scurries around on just his arms and his knees because he can't walk yet, and it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, and, and same. So basically, they make an arrangement that Julia will seduce men to bring him up to the attic where Frank's weird corpse is, and uh, he feeds on these men to regain his human form. And we never really see, in the movie at least, you never see exactly what he does to feed on them. Like, you see him put his, like, fingers in them at some points, like, like shove his fingers into their skin, but you never see him, like, eat them or anything. Like, even with Julia, he just kind of drains her life force. Yeah. Like, it, I, I was always confused by well, that. Well, yeah, I mean, there's not really a direct explanation for that, but it is, he just... Sucks. <laughs> suck. Suck. <laughs> he gives the uh, suck. The, it, so that's that's basically the plot. And then there are things that happen uh, at the end, ancillary of course. And then we'll, we'll get into those. There, there are ancillary things. And then the other character that we have to talk about that's part of the plot is Kirsty. Uh, now, Kirsty mm-hmm. in the movie is uh, Larry slash Rory's uh, daughter. So uh, Le- he's called Larry in the movie and Rory in the book. I. We have decided that's because Rory was a decidedly British name. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's the only, that's the only thing we can think of. And you Yanks don't don't do well with those kind of names. And he's the only one who has a different name between mm. the two. I don't know why. Mm, yeah. uh, anyway, so yeah, so it Kirsty is Larry's daughter in the movie, but in the book she's just a friend and who is secretly in love with Rory. Uh, so it's. I don't know why they changed that dynamic, but I guess they just wanted to have a younger actress in it, or I don't know why exactly. So that's yeah, one of the key differences between the two. That's strange. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm... Uh, the other differences is you know Larry versus Rory, uh, yeah. the the jizz versus the piece of heart, <laughs> uh, and then there's there's some things about the engineer which are different, but we will get into that we, when we get into so the cool. Yeah, we'll get into that when we get into the lore. Uh, so that's that's basically the synopsis, and then it just spirals out of control from there. You can only imagine. This, mo- this movie is kind of a nightmare. Like if you watch it, it's a fever dream. This movie is a fever dream to yes. watch. Mm-hmm. Like it really is. If you if you have no idea what you're getting into, you'll kind of be thrown for a loop. I'll say it's not as much as a fever dream as Hellraiser Two. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah, Hellraiser Two is a fucking fever dream. Yes, there is that movie is a mess. Um. <laughs> But I would like to start... So we already talked about Frank a little bit yes. and his motivation. He was yes. just trying to find ultimate pain and or ultimate no. pleasure in the book. Right. In this, you really don't... It, it's interesting in the movie, you don't get a sense of really why. He does say that it opened a realm to ultimate pain and ultimate pleasure, but you just see him open the puzzle box and immediately fish hooks and like he's <laughs> eviscerated. And you're just like, yeah. why did you want this? Did you know this was going to happen? It gets you the sense that he was misinformed. That's how I felt about it yes. when I watched this movie. Yes. He just thinks that he's going to get his dick sucked by a pretty lady. <laughs> nope. Yeah. You're going to have your dick sucked by Chatterer. <laughs> Ooh, it's all teeth. Nothing but it's teeth. There's, only there's teeth. No, there's no, no lips. lips. <laughs> no lips. No lips at all. But anyway, so... 
first time I was watching it, I will say, I was confused about why he would want any of this. Yeah, I would say reading the book helps understand the movie better mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. the movie glosses over a lot of things or it has to abbreviate certain things. Right. Uh, it, because, yeah, you're not entirely sure what Frank's whole deal is in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, you're you're not sure, like, why did he do this? Like, yeah. you, you, And you don't really ever kind of get a solid answer uh, in the movie. guess he's a manhole. Yeah. Essentially, no, he's he's a jackass. That's one thing about Frank is he is a hundred percent. Oh, an he's a asshole. huge piece of shit. Yeah, oh, he's yeah. the worst. Uh and and Julia is a huge piece of shit, too. I mm. fucking hate Julia so much. Julia's motivation is mm. almost I mean, it's so deplorable. It's so deplorable because she's just obsessed with Frank. That's all it is. And she's basically killing men to satiate Frank, and that's all for you. So there's a lot of themes of obsession in this, which we'll talk about later. But, but she's so one-dimensional, and she's so just... Yeah, they say it in the movie. She's so frigid and cold and emotionless, yeah. and yes. just... I, she's just a cunt. Essentially, <laughs> yes. I, I, I would hate to say such a term. But, no, she's awful. Like, I fucking can't stand her. And also, I hate her hair. She has stupid hair. She's got stupid, 80s stupid eighties hair. Exactly. Hair alone. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna say definitively that I hate her hair. I'm gonna say she does have hair. Uh, <laughs> let me let me just put it that way. But but even uh, one of the scenes in the movie that really I thought was interesting was how even you know that scene where Chrissy's looking around the house and she's upstairs right outside of the room where Frank is but she doesn't even know Frank's there yet yeah. where she's just like staring down menacingly and just kind of like silks back into the room and just doesn't even <laughs> want to deal with Christy you know what I mean I don't know that, that I just felt was very telling about her character she she just doesn't give a fuck about anybody she's and I guess I don't know if it's hedonistic too I guess she has like a hedonistic bent too in that she only wants Frank and she's all about that yeah, but she that just, must be good dick. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, it's gotta be good dick. It must be good dick if she's willing to, you know, revive it must be a corpse. The, yeah, yeah, right. It must be the best dick. Uh, I mean, as a side note, I'll ask Barker if I ever get to a to a convention. <laughs> hey, Clive, did Frank have the best dick? <laughs> <laughs> and he'll be like, clearly. <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, no, Jul- Julia is, we were talking about this earlier, like, she kind of does stand out as a villain in a horror film. Yeah, mm. she's, so, I mean, a lot of women villains in horror movies in the 80s were, they had some sort of sympathetic bent to them, mm, yeah. I feel like. Uh, there was there was something there that you could kind of latch on to to say, okay, maybe, you know, I can kind of understand that. And I would say that's that's there are some, uh, you know, male villains in 80s. Uh, mm. Horror films that were that same way too. You kind of wanted because Jason, it's like oh, yeah, Jason they and his Ma- mob. Yeah, know? Jason and Michael Myers, both of them. Like you can kind of relate to a little bit. Michael like, Myers less so, but less yes. so. But yeah. like uh, he was, like, you could tell he was the only one I can't like. Freddy, you can't really. No, you can't no, really. No, really no, Freddy. He's just he's a, he's a he's a huge piece of shit. Uh, but you know, it, there is some sort of bent there. But Julia just has no redeeming qualities. You no. just hate her all the yeah. way through, mm-hmm. and which I think is interesting. And just, she never is a different person either. She 
she starts off cold and frigid. She doesn't seem to be having a fun time when she's married to Larry. She doesn't seem to be having a fun time when she's <laughs> trying to bond with Kirsty. She doesn't seem to be having a fun time at all until she meets Fleshman. And she's like, oh, shit, if I kill enough people, that dick will have skin again. Uh, yeah, yeah. Her whole character is literally just, I'm with Larry slash Rory because he's financial stability. Exactly. She's calculated, and Mm. the reason she likes Frank is because Frank is a terrible person, and terrible people (laughs) are, are attracted to terrible people. Yeah, yeah, that's that true. is true. Yeah. Yes, they are the uh, Joker and the Harley of the uh, oh. Barkiverse, <sighs> but specifically the Suicide Squad version. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, Jared Leto could totally do fucking uh, Frank in the remake. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, because can please. you imagine he'd be sending actual fucking like dead people to someone? Yeah, that's absolutely. true. Yeah, of fuck, course. Fuck Jared Leto. Yeah, no, he sucks. Uh, <laughs> uh, they're, they're, the other. Uh, characters' motivations are not really as apparent or as strong. Uh, Larry's as... just a fucking pushover. He is. He's yeah. really just trying to uh, get the house uh, livable, and that's really all he's trying yeah, to do. Yeah, like, everything he does is he's trying to keep his marriage together. He's he's a very he's very relatable. It's just, yeah. Like, if you've ever been in, like, a relationship that just isn't working, Bla- you, like, understand Larry. this 100%. Bless, bless Larry. And I love that actor, because he plays Scorpio in Dirty Harry, the killer, and you're just like, wow, this is a different role than that. And, <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Kirstie's whole motivations are just to make sure her dad's okay, because she realizes that Julia's a dick. Mm. Yeah. Until she realizes, yeah, until, well, like, once she discovers a puzzle box on her own and stuff, oh, man. It's interesting, because in the book, it, it might be that she has a, I guess, better motivation. Yeah. Uh, because she's in love with Rory slash Larry, so she's trying she to, you know, sh- she has a, a, an obsession of her own in the book. So I feel like they probably should have kept that the same from the that book. That would have been a better, thematically at least, I think that yeah, that would have been better. Yeah, I think thematically it made more sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at the same time, you can't discount, you know, familial love is, is is almost just as strong. I mean, and I mean, it doesn't have the same obsession quality, right. but the strength of their bond is just as strong, and so she definitely cares, cares about Larry just as much. Um, so it, it, I think it, they also just wanted to make sure Frank was even more of a despicable person. True. Yeah. Because, yeah, th- this might as well be when we talk about... Yeah. That that, that shit happens. Because, uh, t- to be fair, okay, I, when I rewatched this movie, I've seen this movie once before. When I rewatched it, I was watching it with subtitles because I was trying not to make a lot of noise. So I might have missed some subtext, but apparently Frank's trying to get with his niece in part of it. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> it's, while he has Larry's skin on, isn't it, as well? Yeah, which is even more disturbing. It has another layer to it. Uh, But yeah, I mean, Frank isn't just a piece of shit. He's an absolute deplorable uh, uh, beast uh, that is not even human, really. I mean, obviously, at this point, he he hasn't been human, quote-unquote, for a while. He hasn't tasted Uh, anything for years. In reference to this. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's another thing that we just have to touch on, which I, I think... I don't know. I don't remember if that was... I mean... I don't know if he had any pet like pedophilic 
tendencies in the book. Uh, obviously, they weren't related in the book, so that would have been different. But to add that in the movie is interesting. I'm not sure uh, what the thought process was there exactly, but uh, it, I don't know. It, it, I guess it just made Frank even more deplorable. I mean, is yeah, this right. pedophilia there because she's like 18, 19? She's of age, but it's just gross incest. Mm, yeah, yeah it, it, it's more just... It's it's just Frank being ex- like <laughs> triply gross. And I think that that was probably the yeah, intent. Yeah, the intent is just, is just making to make him, him hated so as much. As bad as possible, yeah. And so you don't feel bad when he gets sucked back into the realm of pain. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and Frank really goes through the ringer in this yeah. movie. Just like all the shit that he goes through. Uh, I, I, I hate him and he deserves all of it. Uh, but I, I'm trying to transition that into the effects because all of the effects budget basically went into Frank. Yeah, yeah I was about to say, <laughs> most of it went into eviscerating him and putting him back together. Yes. And then eviscerating him again. Yes, yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, but okay. Like I said, this is definitely we we can say some, Toxic Avenger is grosser. Okay, fine. Mm. But I still feel like this is like one of the grossest horror movies I've watched. Just because there's so much goop, there's so much gore, there's so much they they piece together his face like a jigsaw puzzle there's a in the beginning of, of the movie. Of, there's a lot of dripping. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> And fish hooks, and just like that spinning pillar of flesh. Like, what the fuck is that thing? Like, oh, that's what it is. Yeah, oh, that the pillar comes up in a couple of the Hellraiser movies. Yeah, really. But yeah, I I don't know if it's ever really explained what it is, but it it's kind of just it's a kind of like the uh, like a, it's like a totem, yeah, I guess, and it's kind of like a way to summon them. Yeah. I mean, I'll admit I've had nightmares about it for real. So yeah. uh, it's very good imagery. Yes. I will say that for sure. It's, yeah. it's very iconic. It's very unique. But um, I think, yeah. So the effects originally with, with all the goop and stuff around the pillar, that's really cool. But yeah, most of the effects for this movie have to center around the evolution of Frank coming back because it looks really fucking cool. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, when he's initially pulled apart, like with the the hooks in the skin, that's a really good effect. Uh, when he is a goop man, well, I love him when he when he's like Skeletor, like when he's just like skeleton and the, yes. like his teeth are exposed and stuff. Oh, I love that. Oh, just the whole scene where he's being formed again. Yeah. Yes. Is such oh a great my god! Scene. And I mean, this might be the only place to talk about the music because again, I didn't really listen to the movie. I got to read the movie more than anything else, but I did put the music up for when he's like his fucking arms come out of the floor and his yeah. legs come out of the floor and he has little spindly neck bits then like thrust into his skull brain. Well, it's, it's actually interesting. There is a, I wrote a Ray clone song based on like an ending, like some of the ending music that's in this movie. Oh really? Uh, yeah. There's like this little three chord thing that's at the end of, uh, at the end of the movie when the house is on fire. Oh shit. Uh, that I actually based and I wrote a song called Cenobites based on it. Oh, okay. But, yeah. See, most of the music that I heard was pretty orchestral. There's not a lot of like, really like horror music to it like most there of, isn't mm, no yeah, it's, it's like a little tiny little bit of the orchestral music yeah yeah that see, i took yeah that's what i that's what i heard it's most of their music is pretty orchestral so i didn't really even feel like we needed to talk about music in this one because it's just like classic horror movie yeah stuff. there's that all i mean the music isn't yeah the strongest part of it mm. but 
But yeah, yeah. but the effects though, I, I do love them. Yeah, the effects are really, really good. And uh, the design of the Cenobites is yes. amazing. Oof. Yeah. Oof. Let me uh yeah give give love <laughs> to 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 the utter lad that is the Hell Priest as he was known for the longest time, and then I think it was. It was either in two or three that they actually call him Pinhead. Really? Yeah, I can't remember. Uh, yeah, I mean, two, I guess, would make sense. But two, they also explored the backstory of yeah. Pinhead. Like, where, or yeah. Elliot so Spencer, he wasn't called... as he is known in the human world. Right, exactly. He, he was wasn't like... called Pinhead from no. the beginning? No. He, oh my god, no, really? No. He was not called Only Pinhead Only Butterball and Chatterer had names. Whoa! Yeah. So even in the book, they, Pinhead didn't have a name up until, like, the movie came out? No, he was just the Hell Priest. Yeah. Yeah, he was, like, the leader of the Cenobites. Yeah. I mean, it's, he wow. didn't really have, like, a... That's really cool. He didn't have, like, yeah, he, he was not called Pinhead, that's for sure. Huh. Yeah. No, I just think that's really interesting. That's almost like the whole, like, Jason not even having the mask until right. the third movie mm. thing. You know what I mean? And also, bless Doug yeah. Bradley. God bless Doug Bradley. <laughs> he is a fucking uh, trooper. God, God bless Nicholas Vince and Simon Bamford as well, because when I met Nicholas Vince, he's a lovely lad. He played Chatterer. He was mm. friends with Barker at like college at uni, and um, how he how Barker got him and Bamford to play both the characters in Nightbreed and the characters in this was he just went. I'm doing a movie. There's going to be a little bit of makeup. And it turns <laughs> out they've been for like five, six hours for both of those films. Oh my god. Yeah. I couldn't yeah. imagine. Yeah, no, that's. The makeup for the Cenobites is really The makeup cool. for the chatter, I don't even know physically how that works. Yeah, because you have to cover his eyes and everything. Um, yeah, he said he it was have eyes. hell. He said it was hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I feel like the easiest costume is, is the one for the female Cenobite. Like, yeah, her throat's open, but like her face is fine. She doesn't really have to do yeah, much. Yeah. There wasn't <laughs> Just a, whole a bunch of powder. Like, <laughs> uh, the first actress, like no one knows who she is because everyone recognizes Barbie Wilde, who was the female Cenobite in the second one, but nobody mm. remembers who she is in the first one. Do we know who the actress uh, is? Her name one? is. <laughs> I, had to look it up. I was like, let's, I was about to say, let's not just say no one knows who she is. Also, we I, don't know I who had she to is. Look it up. I'm not kidding. Um, her name was Grace Kirby. Okay, Grace Kirby. Cool. No, I love. No, she's one of my favorites. Her and Pinhead are probably my two favorites. I also do love Scorpion Man that runs down and hallway. The engineer. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's, is that the that's engineer. The engineer yes. Oh, okay. And we'll talk about that when we get to the lore. But yeah, okay, that's cool. the engineer. So the the Cenobites, obviously, a lot of their design, as you can probably surmise, it comes from the world of gay, bondage. Gay, gay. Uh, BDSM. BDSM. Gay, gay. gay. <laughs> um, is the rest of the episode just going to be us canting, chanting, gay and clapping? <laughs> yeah, and a lot of a lot of the design that uh, Clive Barker put into the Cenobites comes from came from the that time of the the German BDSM community and and you know the chains and the leather and uh, a lot of it. I think you put it I best, did. Chris. You said Clive Barker is Clive Barker is the uh, the Rob Halford of the horror <laughs> community. He is. Especially with the fact a that lot... people didn't realize he was gay. 
Exactly. <laughs> yeah, the same thing with Rob Halford at Judas Priest. No, like all these fucking dude bros and motorcyclists and like these big, you know, those kind of guys didn't realize that ha- Rob Halford's gay. And, and that was Your all handle. from like the gays, like the gay club scene. You know, the gay. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It's all. That whole, it's like, hey, br- the whole look just came from the SM clubs. I love it when fucking, <laughs> fucking dude bros are, are bamboozled. <laughs> <laughs> hey, bro. Your handlebar mustache says more than one thing. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, But I mean, other, like, you know, there are other things in this movie that are kind of focused around, uh, you know, BDSM and bondage and kind of the, the, uh, physical characteristics of that and you know if you're if you're vanilla yeah. <laughs> you might you might not know a lot of it like it's not gonna you know it's still it's like as far as bdsm is it went over a lot of people's heads that i first watched it, it went yes. over my head I, I admitted that when we started i was like i'm not the kinkiest person so some of this stuff didn't really click <laughs> it, with me i'm yeah, sorry and even the bdsm <laughs> elements that are in like like present in this movie are still surface level yeah. you know what i mean like it's still just like the chains and the whips you know that type of stuff like the very the very top level stuff i mean we're not getting into anything deeper than that really yeah. uh but it is you know a lot of it has to do with the uh the interchange of pleasure and pain like the the two being synonymous or at least being on opposite ends and playing with both ends yeah <laughs> playing with both ends. <laughs> yeah, that's a big part of it. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I mean that's that is a thing that I I you know I think Clary Barker made a very conscious decision on is trying to introduce like that whole world into maybe a more mainstream audience. Let's say. Yeah, I didn't think about that. It, it, definitely the bondage and the kinky. Well, it was all very underground it, def- at the time. Yeah, and Barker literally just not shoves it in your face. But he d- he shoves it in your face in a subtle way. Yeah, I'm gonna say he's not outright saying anything about any particular community. He's actually just kind of introducing the idea of pe- pleasure and pain being interchangeable. Yeah, I, yeah, I would I would say he planted the seed. I bet a lot of people kind of like went into this type of stuff a little bit from seeing this, maybe unconsciously mm. too. You know what I mean? You see yeah. this and you're just like, hmm. That appeals to me on some level, and then you kind of seek it out. Yeah, but, I, mean, I do feel like it is one a... of the first things that I saw that was to do with any of that, and it's it was like, oh, I have feelings. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Weird. Why do I like this? <laughs> <laughs> and see, and and that's I I feel like that's important because like like I said that me being who I am, that's not what I took away from it. But it's interesting that like he would open that door for people. Yeah, I think it is. It opens the door for a lot of people. And, and like, it's like one of those pieces of media that is pretty, uh, pretty popular that I think is planning subconsciously that seed that not <laughs> yeah. a lot of people realize. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Uh, so let it, let's talk about more of like the lore side of it. And now. this is where I'm totally lost. I tried to watch two before this episode, everybody. I'm sorry. Even I didn't you, have time. Even if you knew what the lore was, you would still be yeah, lost. No. That's <laughs> the thing. I had to do a lot of reading and um, like people who are more versed than I on like what they think, you know, what Barker lore is and stuff like that. You know, people who have spoken to Clive and interviews i had to read a lot into it before i even understood and i i don't even know if i understand 
I'm gonna I'm gonna try and break it down the best I understand yeah. it. Uh, the the Cenobites are like emissaries. Let's let's say that they're emissaries for, um, l- for <laughs> hell, uh, whatever dimension the puzzle box takes you to. Uh, which I, I guess is kind of like it's like a labyrinthian yeah. sort of realm. Yeah, you've called it a couple of different things since we've been talking. So, Y'all have called it hell. You've called it the realm of pain. You called it the labyrinth. It, it it's well. The thing is, is that watching two kind of helps because okay. uh, two kind of expands on the lore a lot. So basically, there is the labyrinth, which is like the physical representation of the realm yeah. of pain, I guess. And the labyrinth master is this big rhombus diamond sort of thing <laughs> floating in the sky called leviathan which like is angel basic- from evangelion kind of yeah, oh, yeah. Shit, it's awesome. a little bit it's a little <laughs> bit like that yes uh and and this is this thing leviathan is basically the equivalent to the devil uh it's it's this kind of uh like less person type thing and more of like an entity that is just kind of overseeing everything uh awful. yeah mm-hmm. uh and the Cenobites, the Cenobites were were once people just like Frank. They're essentially trying to find that ultimate, uh, the ultimate uh, realm, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, whether it be for pain or pleasure or whatever. Uh, and they have become emissaries because of their uh, their associations with that and in having opened the lament configuration. Um, so basically, you you see that in in two a lot too. Is like basically it's these. People that are that they get forced into servitude of the realm of pain, the labyrinth, Leviathan. So um, the difference between the Cenobites and Frank then is that Frank kind of rebelled against it and realized, oh shit, this isn't what I wanted. Whereas the Cenobites or the people that became the Cenobites more embraced it and were like, it, let's, let, let's like, do this shit. It's more like the <laughs> Cenobites were chosen. Yeah. Oh, okay. Let me put okay. it that way. The Frank was just two, another. The box chooses you. The box sort of chose Frank in a way as well. But That's what the guy yeah. that gives it to him says. He's like, right. it, it was always here for you or whatever. Yeah, the box, like, I can't remember what. Leviathan chooses you, basically. Calls you out yes. through okay. the box. But Frank... Think of them as like a religion. Hence why, like, Pinhead is called the Hell Priest. It's like okay. he's like the p- Leviathan's the Pope, and like, <laughs> yeah. and like, yeah, Pinhead's like you know like a bishop or a cardinal, and that's you know, and the those Cenobites under him are his underlings and stuff like yes. that. Yeah, okay. there is a there's a hierarchy there. Yeah. I, I would respect any religion that had a rhombus shaped pope more than, <laughs> than, than a uh, human shaped pope. Just imagine the hat. <laughs> Frank just kind of rebels against that, and because okay. he uses his, you know, he uses that form, and because he's trapped in hell, he hasn't worked his way up to a cenobite yet, and hence why he can come back human. Mm-hmm. He he hasn't worked his way up to a cinnabite. He also wasn't necessarily chosen to be a cinnabite. No. He was he was not he is and that's why I called the cinnabites emissaries. They're kind mm-hmm. of like emissaries for okay. that realm, right. I guess. Uh but yeah, it, it explaining it is hard. Uh watching it, seems it is different. Like it, yeah. you know it, I mean? seems, it seems more dense than a lot of like the lore or like a lot of the movies we cover. A lot of it's very heady yeah. kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's it's that kind of thing like where there's more to it. But trying to explain that to somebody who hasn't watched it is complicated. Mm, you right. know what I mean? Um, and and you in in two you kind of see the process of be- 
becoming a Cenobite, too. Oh, really? Yeah, you see, oh, you see like, how that happens, uh, which is interesting. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, it, it is more or less that the box chooses you, but also, basically, two establishes that if you do enough horrible things, you can become a Cenobite. Like, essentially, you can work up to becoming a Cenobite. You can, if you, as long as you make enough sacrifices to the realm, you can become a Cenobite. Yeah. If, if, you, if you sell enough... Uh, like you know, um, subscriptions uh, to Vibe. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. If you sell enough <laughs> magazine subscriptions, then then you'll control people under you that are selling magazines. Exactly. Yeah. Becoming a Cinebite <laughs> is really it's an MLM. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> Becoming a Cinebite is a multi-level marketing scheme. It's a pyramid scheme. <laughs> but Leviathan's not shaped like a pyramid. He's a double pyramid. Oh, yeah. no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm abandoning this, this corollary. I'm done. <laughs> I'm upset now. It's like Pinhead's chosen because he committed a lot of atrocities in the First World War. Right. Yes. And then when he comes back, he's so disenfranchised with the human race that he sort of sexually tortures himself. Like yeah. self-flagellation and stuff like that? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and the thing is, is one of the Cenobites is a kid. Uh, yeah. Which, uh, the Chatterer is a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, that makes me wonder, what did he do? <laughs> you know what I mean? Probably <laughs> ate his parents. That's, <laughs> that's what I'm going to guess off the top of my head. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. he's a Chatterer. And, like, Butterball was a glutton. You know, yeah. things kind of do with, like, the seven deadly sins and all that as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. How, how you die in terms of how you lived and how you die when becoming a Cenobite chooses your... Look. Look. Unless you get to, like, Hellraiser 3 where they make, like, these... People call them, like, the fake Cenobites because they just become Cenobites after dying, even though they shouldn't be Cenobites. Yeah, that's when you get, like, Camera Head and, uh, yeah. and uh, CD Man. Uh, yeah, but that's only because Pinhead is, like, desperate for uh, underlings yeah, at what that are, point. What are these, Mega Man villains now? Jesus. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah if you watch, Hell, watch Hellraiser 3, oh you'll be like, God. that's totally a Mega Man villain. <laughs> that's a Mega Man boss all the way. <laughs> 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 oh, we're going to make that edit. <laughs> 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 we're going to have footage of Hellraiser 3, and it's just the Mega Man, like, just Mega Man music over it. Oh, hell yeah. Beautiful. Can we make a boss selection screen with just all their faces? Yes, <laughs> yes. <around> God, yes. <laughs> uh, okay, but so that's the lore that's as a, much as we can. Explain I was about to it. say that's really yeah. condensed and really light. I feel like, like I said, I still have no grasp of it. It's, by the way, yes, it's much more <laughs> sprawling than that. But that's that's kind of like the best we can explain it. In there the, are people who've made videos on the internet explaining the lore better than we ever could. Yeah, oh, yeah that's for true. sure. But I feel like we we've touched on all the important points, I and think, I feel like yeah. we, we could always come back to it later. When, oh yeah, like if we all oh, we will because I, I feel like I can't I, like this makes me want to read the book more than I want to even watch the movies. Yes, because I feel like the book would give me way more than, oh, yeah. than yeah. the movies would. Yeah, like, in the book, way way more. In the book has a sequel, <laughs> uh, which w- explains a little bit more. So too. it's Hellbound Heart, and then what's the sequel? The book, the sequel. Scarlet Gospels. Okay. Yes. All right, cool. All right, I know what to get at Barnes and Noble next uh-huh. time I go. Yeah, <laughs> or uh, rather, a family-owned bookstore that is not Barnes and Noble because I hate them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, as always, always, <laughs> always go local if you can. Yeah. Um. So let's talk about there is one of the themes in this movie is obsession, and I think that we kind of tried to 
like we, we were we were struggling for a second to figure out what the themes like because overall like i said it is just like a really good horror film it's really like you know i guess not exploitation but just very over the top but yeah the really big theme in this really is obsession yes and we kind of touched on this already yeah. because of frank and julia those two probably solidify that the most yes I mean, they're they're really they they are the 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 core nugget mm-hmm. of obsession mm-hmm. and the and the whole middle of it. But also Frank's obsession with with finding ultimate pleasure yeah, is exactly. part of it. And then if you're going by the book, you know, Kirsty's obsession with saving Rory slash Larry mm-hmm. uh, is yeah. you know it's it it's one of those things where there there is a a good thread of obsession through mm-hmm. the whole thing. And just the whole idea of the limit configuration in general is. A, a totem of obsession. True. You know what I mean? Because it's like a Rubik's Cube, which, I mean, if you're into, like, you know, puzzles or anything like that, you know, you obsess over those until you get them right. <laughs> at least that's I, yeah, how I am. I guess that's a way to look at it. Yeah. Uh, that's an interesting angle that you've, you've attacked it at. But, yes, that is, that is, that's true, I guess. I mean, I, I've... I, I've sat there for hours trying to fucking fix a Rubik's Cube, and then I just break it apart with a hammer and put it back together in the correct configuration. I'm like, I did. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Are you okay, uh, Chrissy? You look disturbed. <laughs> no, I'm just trying to imagine Isaac just really going in <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Yes, there is a lot of ripping and tearing. Yes, very much so. And, and grunting. <laughs> <laughs> Dick in the puzzle. <laughs> <laughs> don't put your dick in the puzzle box. Hi, my name is Dick Puzzle, and I sell all types, oh no. all types of games. Uh, mostly Rubik's cubes with big holes in the middle. You say your name is Dick Puzzle, and I think your dick is like some sort of a cube that you have to like work in. It's like a transformer, oh and you have to spend time like getting it into the right configuration. <laughs> anyway, yeah, there is there's an interesting thread of, of obsession through the whole thing, and it kind of makes you, you know, look inward as far as what your obsessions are. Yeah, uh, which I, I think it it touches on a lot of the uh, consequences of obsession mm-hmm. and Could, and what it can lead to. Basically, the whole idea of be careful what you wish for. For sure, yeah, and I think that's yeah. that's the biggest. That's the only takeaway that you could really take as far as like a moral Frank takeaway. Sexy woman, big titties. You didn't get that. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's more of like analyze your obsessions, understand when you have an obsession, understand mm. what obsessions can do to you. Yeah, I think is is a more the, pretty much the only moral that you can take away from the yeah. whole thing. The rest of it's just it's truly really I mean, just a story. If we broke yeah. it down, Frank's obsession, yeah, Frank's obsession was to find ultimate pleasure or ultimate sensation, I guess, because he seemed pretty down with the whole pain thing too. He didn't in seem, the movie, yeah, yeah, he, not, oh, in, not the, in the book. In the book, that's not his goal. At we all. already, yeah, okay. we already covered that, but yeah, um, but then Julia's obsession is a lot more like Frank's obsession was very self harming. You know what I mean? And yes. so I feel like if, if all you're looking for in this life is like pleasure, then I mean eventually you're just gonna hurt yourself because you're 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 closing yourself off to a lot of the other aspects of life. Whereas Julia's obsession is like narcissism, so Yeah. But Julia, on the other hand, she's obsessed with another person. And that leads you to do crazy things. And I mean, I think everyone has a corollary like that that they can draw on, like another person that they've known, not even in your own life, but the p- people that you've seen that are like, you know, in a weird relationship where they're like well, way I mean, too think, into someone. Just think a second for about stalkers. You know? yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So anybody who's ever had a stalker or a restraining order, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Like, 
Someone I know, had their ex was so obsessed with them that they, while they were together, he carved their name into his arm. Ooh. Oh, God. Wow. And she thought that was romantic for a long time, and then she yeah. realized mm-hmm. it was kind of gross. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, anything that causes self-harm is never endearing. It is a, well, call, it is a call for help. Yeah, well, we, in specifically that example, yes. Yeah. Yes. Tattoos of other people. Oh, no, I'm, no well, self, <laughs> I don't call tattoos self-harm. That's art. Oh, yeah, it's not self-harm. That's art. But, yeah, yeah. It, it, is, it is artwork. Anything I mean, cutting like, yourself is definitely a call for, like, examination of what you're into at the time. Perhaps, you know what I mean? Yes. I mean, in or, the Hellraiser aspect, look at the way people, like, are so obsessed with people like Jeffree Star or... <laughs> or like the Japanese, or like the like the the American, like the white girl K-pop fans. Look how far oh, yeah. they go. Yeah, yeah. Pinhead would have a field day with shit like that. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Or that woman just recently in Japan who oh. uh, shot that guy that she was obsessed with, and then like like those white fucking anime fans, those fucking weeb nerds, like latched onto her. And they didn't Ooh, realize she's like such a yandere, right? Yeah, no, like, oh my she's god, she's a fucking nutcase. Yeah, I'll explain it to you later. I was about to say, I have no idea what you're talking about, and this sounds sick. It is. It is very. It's sickening. Yeah, um, for sure. We, Americans need to stop. Yes, weebs need that's, that's, to stop. <laughs> it's time to stop. <laughs> it's time to stop. Weebs are the worst. Uh, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Julia's obsession is the most unhealthy, and I think that speaks a lot to that type of a romantic obsession because mm. that can that can really be harmful to a person and to other people as this movie shows very explicitly oh yeah, yeah. hammer time so <laughs> yeah Bonk. the he's he's the, like grandpa he's the best at killing <laughs> the last thing that we really want to talk about is a clive barker in the best of his efforts tried to is subtly put in as much uh, basically gay stuff as he could. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let, let's put it that way. Uh, the only thing is that a lot of it was... Uh, there was a, there were scenes that he had to cut out. Uh, there were scenes that he had to basically, I guess, uh, kind of tone down. Mm. Uh, and, and that kind of all speaks to kind of Hollywood's and, and general, like, big media's uh, suppression of gayness in a lot of movies. Yeah. And the, the- uh, and of course, the reason for the suppression is because of generally society's ability to ex- ability to accept it at the time. This came out yes. in the '80s, and even though this was a time of m- more acceptance, you still had the I, AIDS I, crisis I, in the '80s. Yeah, so there's still a lot of fear, and even now, there's not a whole mm. lot. I mean, it's more accepted, but there's not there's nowhere near equality. So we're still in a weird time, right? So. And it's important to uh, point out that in in America, we didn't really have an overarching federal law about it. But in the UK, there was laws against being gay. Like, you couldn't be openly gay. Uh, and you said it was in 1967 yeah. they overturned it. Yeah, but there, you could still, there, up until quite, quite late, you could still discriminate at work and stuff like that. 
Ugh. Yeah. Here in the States, we still had individual state laws that, that were against that sort of thing. And, you mm-hmm. know, of, of course, I mean, you can read all about that if yeah. you want to. Uh, and, and you should. You and they're bringing be- it back. I mean, it, it is notable that currently, you know, they're trying through the guise of religious freedom. They're trying to bring back workplace discrimination laws and stuff like that. Uh, and so, like I said, it's it's well, people want it changed. to be illegal here <laughs> to even teach children that gay people exist in schools. Oh my yeah. god! Yes, and that's it, true religious say, freedom, uh, right? And I will say I have a bit of a conspiracy theory to talk about here. Um, on, <clears throat> what? One of the one of the things okay, so about that abortion ban. Yes. Uh one of the things is they they knew that it was gonna get taken to the Supreme Court. And they yeah, knew they're... in the Supreme Court it would probably fail. Uh because here here's one of the things about that whole abortion ban. They knew that they they purposely made it extreme. Yeah. Because they knew that if the Supreme Court failed it and they knew that it probably would uh, that it would just be more fodder for their constituents. They knew that they would just use that as ammo to say, this is just the left trying to control us again. You need to vote for me again so I can stop this. Uh, there's I, And I think in a lot of ways, it's still just... It's just all for, for them to get voted back in. I, I think that there are... Uh, that yes, there are dangerous things that are happening. And they are trying to actually make laws that are more extreme, but also it's just re-election fodder. Yeah, I mean, I mean it's coming up close to re-election time. So, yeah, I've gotten to the point where my conspiracy theory is that absolutely nothing they do actually is meant to have any meaningful policy reform. They're just getting on a soapbox and talking to either of the extremes to keep us apart. So we never can unite on overthrowing capitalism because they know that it's dying. Oh, yeah. I I feel like that's the only thing. They're just trying. It is, it is very much a dividing conquer. Yeah, they're just dividing people. Which is. So that we. Which is what the yeah. Cenobites do, if you think about it. <laughs> uh, look, yeah, bring, they divide the, they around. divide them with hooks. <laughs> they divide them with hooks and with severing. And yeah. <laughs> well, no, but if you think about it, the way that they influence, they divide, you know, they divide Kirsty from her family. Mm-hmm. That's true. And yeah. they divide Julia from, for you know, from from Larry, from life. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah no, I mean, she, uh, they uh, Julia just goes off the deep end and it, it basically is in a whole different world by the end of this. She's living only for Frank and for whatever she thinks the life with like him will be. And you you gotta think it's gonna be creepy that he's wearing Larry's skin, which is her ex-husband, but she's with her brother, but he looks like her ex-husband. What the fuck is that? That's an Alabama little thing right there. (laughs) (laughs) Man, this guy, this guy way deeper. Yeah, I know. Yeah, Uh, I was just talking about fuck capitalism. But anyway. Well, I didn't even think we'd get that far. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. I didn't think we'd even get to fuck capitalism. I'm glad we did. I'm glad we turned it into that. But... But it's interesting. That we, we were talking it. about suppression of the mm. gay factor, and I will say that, as far as like from watching this movie, I've seen this movie like two or three times. I never really caught too much gay stuff from it, and I told you that it's like I didn't really see a whole lot of gay stuff in it, and I guess it was more apparent in it's a lot in of the subtext. Book. But yeah, and I guess I'm just tone deaf. Also, uh, <laughs> you know, as a gay, you can tell the gay <laughs> shit. You can just tell the gay yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. If you. Hmm. I, I wouldn't say necessarily that that is the case. I would say that there is a lot of subtext there, 
Um, cause there, there's a lot of things that you can, that you have to kind of dig in a little mm-hmm. bit to see it. Um, and I would say in the book, it's more apparent mm-hmm. than it is in the movie. Yeah. Cause it is intentionally buried yeah. in the movie. You right. know what I mean? Uh, but there is definitely some stuff there, especially when you, especially when you dig into the BDSM thing and you start understanding like where that came from. And what was that scene that you said that they had to delete? Oh Chrissy? yeah. So one of the scenes they had to completely <laughs> get rid of. Was a very was barely human, barely human. Frank, like muscly skin, sort of skin forming <laughs> bones. Frank having a very bloody, very visceral anal sex with Julia, and it was like very visual, apparently. And the censors were like, "Nope, nope, I gotta go." <laughs> Bless Clive Barker. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for, even, for filming it. Yeah, for for yeah. filming it and even thinking that it would get... There is a like, cut out there somewhere. Like, there, there is film that this was burned onto that <laughs> someone could watch. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but again, I make it my life's goal to find it. Again, again, though, I mean, just put some skin on that dick, please. Don't, don't, don't no. come at me with this, with this floppy. Weird blood penis. Yes, it's good dick whether it's got skin on it or not. I don't want a hot tamale. I want a, re- I, I want a regular. You don't want a red rocket. Yeah. Oh. oh no. <laughs> okay. So, I think that's quite enough. Uh, what are some of our favorite moments? Slurp. I'll start. Um, I think definitely the moment with the engineer. We didn't get into talking about why he's called the engineer, but I love that fucking shit. Where we'll, she, we'll talk about if we do another Hellraiser episode, we'll talk about the engineer. I, I love that guy. He he's a cool guy, uh, and he scares the shit out of Christy. And just I, I love that scene. And my other favorite scene we talked about is when Frank is first forming the orchestral mm. uh, score swells, and you just see little arms come out, yes. and then the spindly neck parts shoving right into the skull. That's oh god, yes, it's my favorite. Oh thing. yeah, <laughs> he's good stuff. The, 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 let's name the engineer. Let's give him a name. Uh, ooh, Bonzo. <laughs> Bonzo the engineer. Bonzo the engineer. There it is. Good old Bonzo. He has, a, he has a Bonzo face. Come on. He does have a Bonzo face. Yeah. He, I mean, he has a face only a mother could love. And by mother, I mean pinhead. And by mother, I mean uh, weird bondage demon. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, my favorite moment is the last time that Frank gets ripped apart. And this is <laughs> this yeah. is obviously like the iconic scene mm-hmm. uh, where he just goes, Jesus wept. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Jesus wept. Because it's, you know, he's getting pulled apart and says like, but, but you get the sense that maybe this time, when he was ripped apart the first time, there was a sense of maybe pleasure was involved and that maybe it was meant to be more sensual because that's what he was looking for. And in the, in the movie, at least, they hint that the two things are intertwined. Kind of in for, the, for Frank, yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So in, in, in the movie. Yeah. Um, but in the last time, it's just the Cenobite's hatred because he escaped them. So there's no pleasure yeah. involved at all in that he last time. escaped the torture, you know. Yeah. They're like, oi, you're coming back with us, you <laughs> fucking knobhead. <laughs> yes. So you, 
it must have been a lot worse that second time. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And they made it hurt. Yeah. yeah. Chrissy? It's it's the, it's the same moment. It's, it's oh, yeah? just the Jesus wet moment. <laughs> the, the fact that all, like, the pillar's spinning and it's yes. all ripped apart. And it's and the she- only scene my mum has ever seen. And she apparently had... She was pregnant with me when she was sore. Oh, that explains a lot. I was about to say, that's very telling. She had nightmares about (laughs) that scene. And they're doing it to, like, a baby me for some reason. Oh, that is sad. It's like, well, Mom, that's one of my favorite films. It's, like, one of my favorite (laughs) scenes. And now we know why. (laughs) It's like when you play Beethoven or Mozart in the womb. It's the yeah. same thing, only with Hellraiser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, only with that gay shit. <laughs> well, uh, did you see that Twitter post that has been going around on the social media? And it's like uh, a woman keeps using a vibrator while she's pregnant and then wonders why the baby comes out stuttering. That's uh, <laughs> so dumb. It's very bad, but it was on Reddit a lot, and I thought it was funny. That's so dumb. The internet well, is... Yeah. The internet is the worst thing ever created. Uh, (laughs) uh, Okay, cool. So, uh, final thoughts. This is a this is a weird one. Like this is like I said, of all the movies we've covered, this is the most not straightforward horror movie I think I've ever seen. Probably the most not straightforward horror series I've ever seen because yeah, it mixes fantasy with horror with. A little bit of social context, but more more psychological. Most it of this will, is very cerebral. We'll see more this than a lot else. more when we cover Nightbreed, but Nightbreed is the synthesis of fantasy and horror. Really? But yeah, yeah we'll okay. t- we'll talk about that when we get to it. But I fucking love Nightbreed. Nightbreed is so good. I can't wait for you to watch it because I, I think you'll it. like it a lot. I'm very interested. I think you'll like it a lot. But um. But yeah, definitely watch Hellraiser. This is one of the first like big ones that I would say that uh, we can't shit on people for not seeing because. Like, it's a big one, but uh, it's a hard one for you. It, I mean, it's an easy to, to, one to miss. You know what I mean? I'm going to shit on it's you a little bit. It's not that easy to it. miss, to be honest. Because, yeah. like, as, as I said, like, my stepdad hates horror, but my stepdad has seen Hellraiser. Really? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, I feel like, like it's more ubiquitous than you think it is. Yeah, yeah, I guess only because I haven't seen it as much. And I just I haven't dived into like, the Bar- Barker stuff I or this as much. I understand people not yeah. seeing, but I know a lot of people... Like just regular, regular schmucks have seen. <laughs> I I've only seen two, three, and four, which I know sounds like a lot, but when you consider that there's nine sequels, oh yeah. my god, there is. There's nine sequels, Jeez, and most of them, yeah, most of them are direct to DVD sequels, and they're that really doesn't bad. Surprise me. <laughs> oh, and they're bad. They're very bad. But yeah, no. Uh, um, like loads of people like Hellraiser's one of those big ones because it was so like Evil Dead and like Friday it was so infamous at the time yes. yeah I could see that yes. for sure yeah yeah it was infamous at the time and then I, you know some of that is of course to its detriment they're just like ah it's just a shark film mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah but it really if you think about it now it really doesn't have that many shock elements to it comparatively yeah I guess if they, kept I mean? the, if they kept the bloody anal sex scene, then it would have a little more shot credit. But Yeah, but then I don't think it would be... <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't think it would have gone over as well. Yeah, true. I don't mm. know. I, I don't know, but like I said, this is one of the most unique films that we've covered. And as far as a horror film, I think this is one of the most unique horror films that I've ever watched. And I Especially really, I in really the like 80s. It. Like, it was very unique for the 80s. Oh, yeah, for sure. I feel like. Yeah. 
but yeah fucking watch it i mean <laughs> like what are you doing just watch it drink some of that gay juice and get with some hellraiser yeah S- yeah. Sip on that gay juice. <laughs> Slurp. <laughs> as, Chrissy, as Chrissy takes a sip. Uh, <laughs> okay, so you know the drill now. Uh, it's all just outro stuff now. Now I am. I, I have at this point already put a thing in the middle section where it's talking about the Patreon and all that jazz. Uh, and all of the social media stuff. So I'm not going to say that at the end. Oh, shit, we can skip that now? We can skip Me. that now. Fuck yeah! Yeah, so we're just going to... I can go pee right after this. I don't have to wait. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're just going to say thank you all for listening. We really appreciate it. We love you. Uh, we are so excited to cover the next few episodes because it is going to be the Barker Bonanza. Mm-hmm. And Damn, I haven't seen Nightbreed yet. corporations giving you rainbow shit. Buy from small gay yes. companies. True. Yeah, I've been irritated by that whole thing, too. Yeah. It's like There's a whole lot of corporations that are trying to hop on the pride wagon right now. It's like, fuck you. You don't pay your workers anything. The best one that I saw recently was uh, it, the caption was ca- uh, uh, corporations during uh, during June. And it's just that Steve Buscemi where he's just like, hello, fellow kids. But oh, it says, yeah. But he has a rainbow shirt on and it says, hello, fellow gays. Oh, my God. How do you do, fellow gays? Yes. Fuck off. Yeah. It's the. Yeah. Just understand that corporations are not your friends. They don't care they about don't you care. Support at all. your local gay. Support your local gay company. Like yes, one I know called Beastly Beverages. Buy their tea. They're made by a gay, and I love Gabriel. He's really cool. <laughs> His name's Gabriel. I wasn't going <laughs> to go there. That seems kind of it's, insensitive. It's don't, don't play on someone's name like that. <laughs> I did it. I went there. Chrissy was going to go there. No, so. they, okay, they, fine. Uh, G- Gabe has made jokes about it themselves. So. Okay. Yeah, so shut up. <laughs> uh, made a very sad face yeah, it was more like you were kind of pissed off at me actually <laughs> which was funnier <laughs> also remember it's illegal to be straight during June <laughs> cool okay everybody is officially I will let gay. everyone I see know <laughs> yes please because uh, some, some of them don't get the memo yeah uh, anyway, thank you so much for listening. Yeah, thank you very much. Yes, we love you guys. We, love you. Well, we will see you next week. Next week. More gay. This time, we're actually doing it next week. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Not two Long weeks time. from now. We're finally back on that shit. It might, be, on it might shit. be back at 7 o'clock in the morning again, but no, we'll be on no, it. I'll we promise. Still be off work. Oh. Hell I've yeah. got to use crutches for a week, so. Okay. Hell yeah, in the sense that we don't have to yeah, wake up. Yeah, early, I was but, saying, oh, in the sorry. sense that, yeah, your leg is fucked. This is insensitive, Zach. Oh, I am no, very insensitive. I'm very happy that my leg is fucked. I have to go to work. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, bye. Bye, bye. Lads and friends. <laughs>